0: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're filled with love,
1: let it surround me. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steeler's touch! Down Under, I'm Maddie Peverell, joined as always by my co-host, Marky D, Marky Davison. How you doing, mate?
2: You know what time it is, your two favourite Aussies from Down Under, Mark and Aussie Steeler. I forgot your name, it's Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how are you? <laughs> oh man, I'm good, I'm good, I, I don't know what's going on. It's raining, it's sunshine, it's like, it's so weird in Australia right now. Like, we just had so much rain for six days and then we had a bit more rain again. So, you know, uh, thoughts to everyone going for that kind of stuff, but it's, it's crazy. But now, like, the sun's coming out. So, it's just typical Australian weather and typical Australian times down here. But I'm excited for the season. I'm really excited for training camp. And we're getting so much more closer to preseason games and where we can see Kenny Pickett and Trubisky throw a football. And that's going to be amazing. And we've got Jer
1: Jevil in the live chat as always. But yeah, it's pretty cold at the moment down here.
2: And it's been pretty right. rainy, but I can
1: uh, I can see the sun coming out now. So that's good.
2: Yeah, it's been crazy, man. Like the weather. Yeah, I'm here. The weather's been like, are uh, you there? I'm here. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, he, uh, I was just talking and I you know, heard you he say something. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I haven't missed something there.
2: I think we're live. I'm pretty sure we're live and we're on we the, are, uh, we are, the BBC network of all, of, of all podcasts. There's about a million podcasts a day. So, you know, we're there somewhere. And uh, it's, like I said, our favorite is: Do we start again or do we keep, keep going? No, no, no.
1: <laughs> Let's keep going.
2: <laughs> Kathy Ford says hi, guys. Um,
1: but yeah, like I, I think interesting week. We saw the Heinz bottles come down. Everyone had a yeah. cry about that. Um, like, okay,
2: I just... I'm so overhearing about this. <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, you don't want to talk about that anymore because that was my number one topic today. Well, you know what?
1: as someone that like has a food allergy that's like like it's not by choice, uh, you know, Heinz don't really cater to that food allergy, so I don't really give two stuffs. <laughs> you know no, it's, it's,
2: it's funny too because like we call in in, in Australia, right? we call like uh, ketchup, uh, everyone calls that style like tomato sauce. And when yeah. you go over to America, I know you've probably experienced it too. You go over there, oh, can I get some tomato sauce with my chips? And they're, and they're thinking, well, hell, pasta sauce? <laughs> like, what do you want with your chips? And they bring out like actual 100%. potato chips. So, yeah, we don't call it ketchup here. We call it tomato sauce on our on our chips or fries. Well, so. When I was a
1: kid, right, I grew up, like I mostly called it Barto sauce because when I was a kid, like I couldn't say tomato when I was like two or three whenever I started talking, right? And I said it really early
2: on. Um so yeah, I was just calling it bardo sauce for the first like decade of my yeah. life. <laughs> so that is that is one strange one when we go over there. It's like we don't say, Oh, can you pass the ketchup? Uh we just say can you pass the tomato sauce? And then yeah, someone in Pittsburgh once told you they said to me, Do you mean do you want pasta sauce? Like for like as in for spaghetti. I was like, like a, Yeah, like a pizza. I was like, like nah, you're yeah. crazy. I want like tomato sauce. <laughs> You know,
1: but um, it's
2: not it's not a it's not a. Big I don't really deal. have it
1: anyway. I'm a barbecue sauce person. Oh 100,
2: like, yeah, me, hundred percent too. I, if I'm getting a pie, I'm 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 grabbing barbecue sauce. But like, I reckon it's not that big of a deal. They actually signed a five year deal as well for the Heinz Red Zone. So yeah, I saw like, that. That's cool. They're coming back. It's like like I said last week. Like you, you're angry about it, you move on, and then next minute we probably will be calling Acroshore Stadium by the end of the year. Uh, it's, the, the name's growing on it me. Does, it's that's just... not that bad. It's actually exactly not that right. bad. Yeah, it, it looks bad on paper, to but to say it, it's yeah. actually not that bad. But you got, you got to give a shout out to to I think even BTSC. have got like you know the shirts and stuff like that. Every, every single <laughs> every single uh Steelers shop is was selling Heinz Field forever. But then how long does that like, like do, would I really go over there and buy a Heinz Field forever T-shirt in three years? Uh, maybe not. So uh, it's all cool. Like it's it's yeah. What even Cameron Hayward said. Don't worry about it. We've got Latrobe in a few weeks' time, and we're going to go win a championship. Like, that's what it's about. So yeah. I, I'm excited. I, I just, I just think, like, I don't know. Look, here's a different angle on it, right?
1: Acris apparently doing stuff in the cybersecurity space. I work for a company that is in the cybersecurity space. This saves the steals from getting hacked and another team stealing their data or being held for, like, a massive ransom by, like, some, like, people on the dark web. Great. Anyway, let's get into Steelers football. Um, But you said you had a couple of questions for me in the live chat.
2: Oh, I just want to see how you're going, Matty. I haven't spoken to you for a week. Actually, I think we've been both so busy. and We haven't been even – I haven't seen you in the Slack channel. Like, normally you're fighting everyone in the Slack channel um, about who's the best player, who's this, who's that. I haven't seen anyone. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's been a busy week for me. But then I also – someone in the Slack channel told me that they liked Well Done Steak
2: and I... Oh, that's... Who Who was that? that can we, me off. Like, can we oh, name him no, no,
1: no, 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 no. Keep the, keep the slack confidential, oh, but... Uh, okay, so we... If we that's, I, I okay. just... I,
2: it, it, yeah, not good. No, okay. i just joking. I did have a busy week. Wants, they did well
0: say on, that. Well who done wants steak? a hold on
2: steak? I'm sorry, I'm going to take that one on. That's when you need the ketchup coming out. You need all kinds of sauce on that steak. Like, I like my medium medium rare. I don't, I don't even feed the, my dog. I don't even my dog well done steak. <laughs> That's crazy. What would you have? You just you can't. Then
1: they tried to then they tried to justify it and say that it wouldn't taste like rubber. I'm like, yeah, it
2: would. Oh, it does because the longer you cook it in the pan, it keeps cooking outside the pan as well. You know, it keeps cooking in your stomach, and that's how well done it is. That's uh, just no, you can't do that. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I just
1: yeah, no. You eat. I don't. Know. I'm a medium rare guy, but I always say medium rare, slightly on the rare side.
2: That's what I always say. Have you ever had a wee... I've had a steak once where it's dead set, like, cook for, like, 20 seconds, like, or whatever. Oh, like, steak tart's hair? Oh, yeah, they're unreal. A bit of of garlic salt on there. Yeah. Beautiful. (laughs) Kathy
1: Ford might as well. You You know, when we... um, I I don't mean to delve back into the pizza podcast episode, but there used to be a really bad... You know that, like, really greasy bit Big like rubbery pizza that you get on a like a, a not like they have them you know a, a night out like on a, on the corner like in America you get them they're really nice mm. in Australia not good you got to go to like wood fire traditional pizza place to get good pizza but we used to, there used to be one near the bars we used to go to and uh, <laughs> we used to call them sham wow's because <laughs> they tasted like a those sham shammies sham wow cleaning cloth but they did soak up all the alcohol on the positive side. <laughs>
2: That's all you need. When you're that, when you're that, you, you know, that cart and you, you can't walk straight, it kind of helps you out. So I've, I've been in that road a few times as well. You don't care what you eat. Yeah. You exactly. do go and grab it. Exactly. All right. Well, let's get into today's show. <laughs> and and
1: uh, last week, we looked at the offensive <clears throat> players on the Steelers roster that we thought really needed to step up at training camp. This week, we thought we'd talk about the defense. Uh, and I'm going to get, I'm going to hand it to Kathy forward. Who's like on fire in the live chat. And she said, how can you not answer this question with Devin Bush? And so I didn't want to spend, like, I didn't, I knew someone was going to bring that up. I'm glad it was Kathy. Um, I think it's a nice place to start there from the live chat feeding in Mark. I mean, everyone's on Devin Bush. He needs to have a big year. Uh, what do you what do you want to see from Devin Bush at training camp or what do, or I mean, you know, they don't show everything on film, so what are you hoping to
2: hear out of training camp regarding I, Devin Bush? I kinda of hope I can see what he was doing before he got injured. Like I think he was playing fantastic fantastically before he got injured. Uh that De- we are all on Devin Bush and, and wishing him for the best to be one of the best steals and a true stealer, right? And yeah. then it all it all fell to pieces and we all know what happened last year. He just seemed like he was checked out of the game. And I know like in a lot of sports you can you can tell when players aren't playing the right way they're a bit off they get the yips they're in their head uh, he was a bit like that so he was making the tackles he was, he was there but in in most times I was watching the film or the highlights when I was watching the game he just didn't seem like he was playing like, like that position to his to his ability now that could be that could be his um, you know he he doesn't want to go out and 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 test his knee or w- whatever he did right I don't overly know, so but this is a big year for 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 devin uh devin Bush again because back from the injury you have miles jack next to you you have like a duo where you can start to you know be a ten together for the next i don't know maybe a few years depending how it goes but there's a lot of pressure on uh on devin Bush because you got miles jack next to you, so yeah what what do you
1: think uh, think about it? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, he obviously had it he, he's had two down years. I mean, he was the third ranked, you know, AP defensive rookie of the year in 2019. You know, in the last two years combined, in 19 games, he's had less 13 less tackles than what he did in his rookie year, where he played in 16 games. Um, you know, his rookie year he had nine tackles for a loss. He's only managed two since then in the following two seasons. Um, he was up on quarterback hits last year, and early on this season, he actually was doing all right. He was getting close to the quarterback and putting pressure there. And I was like, "Oh, you know, I remember something I said to Shannon White. I was like, look, he might actually surprise a few people as the season wears on. But he never quite found that groove. So, yeah, for me, I mean, I've talked about him recently in the last two War Room podcasts because I've been talking about um, pro football references, AV metric. And it's really funny with his AV metric because in the last two years, he's got an AV of nine. In his rookie year, he had an AV of nine. And that gives him an, a total of 18, which if you spread it out over the three years he's played, is an average AV of six. Now that's technically ahead of the average for a first-round linebacker drafted in the last decade. But the thing is, it's what we see as fans on tape. And the thing for me that's going to be hard to judge is, or that I think we've got to sort of take with a grain of salt with training camp, is he might we might hear positive things, we might hear negative things. But for me, Devin Bush is one of those players that, It's out on the field that he makes things happen. Um, And we're not going to know how well Miles Jack's adjusting to this defense and how well Devin Bush is doing until we get to see what Minka's doing and whether Minka has to keep coming up and saving the day all the time for the linebackers. Obviously, that's also dependent on the defensive line, you know, stopping things like the run as well. But I don't think we're going to see this until we see the starters on the field in the preseason and early on in the season. Um, But the biggest thing for me is... I on on tape, I want to see him flying around again. I want to see him at the at this you know, wherever the ball is. I want to see him shedding blocks. I think that's a big one for me is shedding blocks. Um so and, and and really working well with this new defensive line. I don't want to see people running into each other, which sounds like something simple. These guys are professionals, but you do see it, you know.
2: Yeah, well you, so, you think back to I think it was the charger game where the fumble happened or something like that. Yeah and nobody else was going for the football, and Devin Bush went out there and got it and scored the TD. Uh, I, I think you can get back to that, but it's it's definitely last year was a pretty bad year, like when you look at it, even if you're not a football coach like like myself or whatever, right? But you can see mm-hmm. that there was something off, and it was maybe hesitant to do things. Uh, he didn't want to tackle, and Schober didn't help out either. Those fellas both didn't want to tackle. You could see them both leering away from the tackle or getting involved or making the plays or making the – the splash plays, but I think having bringing in Miles Jack as well is going to help Devon Bush a lot, you know. Um, and is uh, there's probably a lot of pressure on himself, you know. Not really like not really the coaches telling him what to do, what he needs to be, or the fans telling him what to do. But he probably knows that last year wasn't his best year because yeah. because it's how he played, right? Oh, he pretty and, much
1: like, said so as well a few months back. Like when they when they didn't sign into the fifth year option, he pretty much said, "Look, I get it." Um, and you know. I, I said it at the time, like, I, I think Devin Bush, I love Devin Bush coming out uh, of college. I definitely thought I'd I really liked Devin White, but I knew that Devin White wasn't going to be there on the board unless they were going to trade into the top five to get him. I know he went, I think he went six, but you would have needed to go into top five to get ahead there. Um, but, you know, for me, one thing I did like last year, right? And, and he could have had a worse year. You know, everyone said he looked like he was sort of standing off off a little bit and backing off. But he you could tell he was watching that ball like a hawk, like he still was moving around he was just that there was just something that was holding him back, and I think it's that comfortability in the knee to me that was a good sign to me that says he's not lost the feel for the game now mm-hmm. it's about going in and making those hits and trusting that knee um and we all have talked about feeling more comfortable on a you know on on things like an a c l the second year round so you know, definitely Devin Bush needs to step up. But the other thing that's going to be interesting too, I think there are two X factors here that I guess we're applying now to Devin Bush that we weren't applying, you know, six, nine months ago when we would have had this conversation. And that is, like you alluded to there, how does he interact with, you know, uh, Miles Jack? And B, what impact has Brian Flores had on Devin Bush? Big time. Yeah, I didn't you know? know about that. Because we and huge. I talk about that, yeah. that game with, with like the Dolphins and the Ravens. And I, I sit there and I think a guy like Brian Flores with the talent that Devin Bush can be, like, you know, it, it does get... Look, you can see it in, like, my animation. I mean, it, it's harder for the people on the well, audio. Well, the audio guys, guys can You can can't. hear it in the expression. Like, I, I think that's an <laughs> exciting prospect.
2: Yeah, no, you're right. 100% I didn't even think about Brian Flores uh, in this instance too because, yeah, he's going to help him coach, put him in the right position to go out there and, and, and be victorious. And I, I think just having... Miles Jack next to him and two young guys again, take over, take over the defense. And yes, TJ going to be there, but we'll, we'll, we need some other stars as well. We need some other guys to step up and and be Correct. like that, that 2008 defense. I always talk about like, you know, on the edge, Woodley and Harrison and Ferry and foot and, and all those guys, or uh, Timmons was there or whatnot, you know? So uh, I think you just need that bit of, bit of, bit of toughness about you. And I, I think that like, I can't wait for Week One, actually, of the real season because I got a feeling that they can go in, into, into Bengal territory and, and lay the mm. smackdown. I really do. I think. I think that they've been counted out so well, much. I do too. Year. I actually pivoted on this. Yeah, like the defense is pretty good. Go run the football. First game of the year. It's Steelers versus Bengals. I don't think they're going to run over us like they have. Like, how can you've played sport, right? How can you let your opponent three beat you three times in a row, four times in a row? You must be learning something every time you lose from them and, and getting that more more anger towards wanting to win. And I think some of those factors need to come into the game and it'll be a more competitive game than we think. So, but coming back to the players, I think, yeah, this this training camp is going to be huge for that because they're not only training to 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 make the team, they're training for the next, you know, preseason in the first few games, the first five, six games to be ready for the season. It's gonna be huge, man. Like these players are they're gonna lock down soon in in man, like, you know, uh, two weeks time, they're back at it, really back at it.
1: Yeah. I, I just, the thing for me that I'm going to judge, um, and I know that I, you know, basically gush about it all the time, but like I got a lot of time for Luke Kuechly and Luke Kuechly. He said this on a podcast, best part of 12 months ago, where the most underrated stat for a linebacker is tackles for a loss, right? It, Cause it shuts down plays and, you know, someone can get sacked on the on the second down and then, you know, they can make it work from third down along, particularly if they play against this defense because we seem to leave up those big plays, right? But he, he said a tackles for a loss disrupts a drive. You know, it, 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 on a, it, if you do it on a first down, it can completely disrupt it, especially early on in the game or early on in a half. It can disrupt, disrupt the script. It can shut down a drive it's in it. the fourth quarter. Like there's a different mentality and he basically talked about how underappreciated it is and all the things that have to go right to get an interception or a sack, but to get a tackle for a loss, you know, that comes down to the player executing on that particular play and scheme, you know, and, and, and making sure that works. And, like, I mean, Steelers fans, I think, and fans in general, I think sometimes we underestimate that. Like, TJ Watt actually had the leading number of tackles for a loss last year. Now, that's not surprising in some ways with the crushes he gave. gave
2: does up. that include sacks? Uh, hear, me, hear me out. Does that include sacks or not? I'm so confused about that stat. You know, like, i, I wondered that too when
1: I see people count it, but I don't know. From pro football reference, who I go off with those sorts of stats, it doesn't. But
2: yeah, I don't think it does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, he's a, he's a, a sack. It. He's a machine, isn't he? And I bet your Madden head is exploding right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: I haven't touched that game in a while, but um, all I like talking about this defense, though, is making Uh, me fire it up. But what I I, want me to say is that, like, for me, I'm going to judge Devin Bush's progression throughout the year on those tackles for a loss because those tackles for a loss will show that he's adapted to any changes in his scheme. He's working cohesively with the defense, and he's back, willing to like go after the ball.
2: To me, that, okay. that,
1: that's what it is.
2: Here's a question for you: You think that uh, that he's gonna he will improve from last year, or will he? Will he yeah, definitely. Out? Yeah, I, I think so as well. I think he will improve from last year because how else can you get you know maybe any worse? It is. He looked like he was lost out there last year as a middle linebacker compared to what he was doing in, the, in his first few seasons and really getting after his rookie year and have, like having a lot of fun and, and and tackling and being a part of the team. He just looked like he was very lost out there as a stealer. And now with the direction of Flores and um, working with with Jack and working with the linebackers, I think he'll be more uh, situated to, to go out and play and having a better off season again. Uh, I think actually he even had a, he might have had a baby. Uh, I think he had a baby a few uh, you know weeks ago. I'm not too sure, but um, you know, I, I think overall, I think it'd be okay. Do You know what the definition is of
1: you know when we're talking about the difference between a sack and a tackle for a loss? and this is why I answered it in the way I did because like I've literally pulled up a few and like <laughs> it's, it, it depends on who you ask, but um, one definition is a sack is a tackle for a loss unless the quarterback is sacked at the line of scrimmage where he gains zero yards or if there is a false uh. fumble on the play. <laughs> yeah, that's confusing. So it, basically a sack counts as a tackle for a loss, except for when the quarterback is tackled at the line of scrimmage But like right. the, how uh, you're not going to have a whole separate stat line on that. You just, you have tackles for loss, you have sacks. It is what it is. Um, it's just easier that way. But, but to put that into perspective, like last year, you know, um, if you look at the middle linebackers, probably Matt Milano is probably the most like for like on that list. And he had 15 tackles for a loss. And it's interesting because Cameron Haywood had 15 tackles for a loss. Alex Highsmith have, had 15 tackles for a loss. And TJ Watt had 21. So it's not like this is, you know, not set up for him to be able to do it. Uh, but, yeah, I, I just think if, if Devin Bush can move to being, you know, can get 8 to 10 plus in um, the tackles for a loss, I think we can say that he's he's on the up.
2: Um, and then so, the defense yeah. is going in the right direction like you said you you interrupt their you know their their scheme or their script of like the plays they're running like they want to go second and five and then go into a play action or go into a five wide you go and get him at first and 13 pumps the defense up now it's second and 13 uh and then they don't know what to do they're, what does the offense do then it's, it's all yeah I, I think i think it's going to be fantastic to see him and we'll, we can probably have a good uh, perspective in the first four games, first six games, I think, to see what, what is happening with uh, Devin Bush and, and Miles Jack there. Mm. This could be a great duo, these two. We, we don't know. Like, they're so young. I, I Actually, I'm quietly hopeful.
1: Um, I, I'm i one of those people that same with Ogun Joby, and I wanted to talk about him. You know, I, I wonder whether we're going to regret not having Sam, Miles Jack, to a longer contract, but the salary cap goes up, so we can eat that, eat that later on. Um, so Ogan Joby was someone I wanted to talk about because um, with Ogunjobi, I think I think he's got to have a big camp. I think he's got to prove not necessarily to the coaches and fans who I think were all high on his stats <clears throat> and his, he's got to, he's got to prove it to his defensive line teammates. I think he's got to earn that respect from TJ and Haywood and you know Uluwalu, um, and and work out his place in in that defensive line.
2: Who, who's the only team he hasn't been a part of in the AFC North? Is it the Ravens? Yes. Yeah. So if he, yeah, so he's got to prove it to the Ravens too. No, <laughs> they might pick him up next. Um, no, there's, there's well, a lot I traded to
1: Marcus Peters in three seconds, but you
2: know, there, there's a lot of pressure on uh, Joby for sure. Like he's the he's the um, the veteran guy, but I think like coming to the new Steelers system, like I think the, now that Tua's gone, we, 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 will, will he be the starter? Like that's a lot. That's a lot to put on you. On your plate to go from, you know, another another AFC North team now to be a starter for the Steelers, uh, and also, but I like love still-
1: it. I love it. Like, I think it gives like Demarvin Leal like a target now too. Like he's Ogunjobi's got two years, prove that you can take the spot next. Like, I, I love it, and and I think that's going to get the best out of Ogunjobi. I think this. I think this leadership and this mentality on the Steelers' defense is going to help Ogunjobi even further. Um, you know he's not necessarily rushed in a line that's got the quality of what the Steelers have got. If you if you think across the defensive line and the outside linebackers as well, I've always liked Joby. Like I, I've always brought him in my Madden teams. I I talked about Joby like back in March. You know about you know buying him. I, I can even tell you the podcast so I did it on in War Room, like way before it was on anyone else's radar. And like, but yeah, I, I'm excited for it, but. I do think he still needs to have a big camp. I can't think he ta- can take it for granted that he's just going to take to its spot.
2: So who's the starting three? Who's the uh, de- defensive tackle, Cameron Haywood? And, or, you know, he's in, but Alulu uh, Who's the other bloke there? Who's the starting three you think that goes on the field, part of the 11? So I think that
1: you could see formations where... I think you're going to see three variations. You're going to see... It's probably more the most frequently going to be, yeah, Ogunjobi, Aluwalu, Haywood. But it depends on Oluwalu and managing snaps in certain games and whether they let him sort of work his way in over the first few weeks. I also could see a lineup that's a bit more Haywood at nose, Ogunjobi, um, and Wormley as well For if you're rushing the passer. I, I could see that. If you're going defense, if you're going more run heavy, I could also see, and, and it depends on al while because there's a bit of a question mark on, let's say if you're working me in, he needs a few games, you know, rest, you, you know, at different points of the season. But then you're probably are having Hayward one side, Ogunjoe with the other. Then you might have a um, Montrevius Adams in there at defensive tackle or like at the more of the nose tackle. Um, you may even move Haywood inside and have Loudermilk on a certain play. But I think Loudermilk will come into like Speller-Hayward. Same with Leal. It, it's... It's going to be interesting. And this is why when, you, when you've got a new defensive coordinator in Terrell Austin and you've got Brian Flores as well, and you've got a guy that's of quality like Kyle Dunbar uh, as defensive line coach, I think we're going to see things that we haven't seen before. Yeah. right. Dude, Particularly yeah. when you've got a guy like DeMarvin Liao that is traditionally lined up more between the, like at the four, the four position, I think it is, um, and, and sort of around the, the shoulders of the tackle, I think that's really interesting because he's, you know, that's not traditionally where we might line up a lot of our defensive ends. Um, So, yeah, I I just, I can't, and I want to see things that I haven't seen before.
2: (laughs) You know, like. Do you think uh, Cameron Hayward has any um, influence on who he's going to be partnered with in that three? You know what I'm saying? Does he he have any any, like uh, say where I want this guy with me here, I want to play there?
1: I'm going to I'm going to flip that question back to you in with, with this oh, no. in mind <laughs> with this in mind though should Cameron Haywood have that influence and the reason I say that is for a long time and you and I talked about this a couple of times quite early on in the off season, I don't want Cameron Haywood playing the percentage of snaps that he's playing right I would rather him play I think he's 32 right now 33 I would rather him play another four even five years and he moves down to a 70 to a 75 to 80% snap ratio right i think he's like above 90 right now than he was last season right and obviously i'm i'm saying you know this season he might be 80 80 85 and then you peter down after that and you just get to a baseline mark of 70% i don't want Cameron Hayward playing that often because i'm going to increase the wear on his body and i'm going to increase the injuries and i want people fresh deep into the playoffs i don't want players going getting to one playoff game like we are and going I'm done, right? Particularly when a 17 game season. So, yes, I think Cameron Hayward needs to have a um, ability to say, "I think this is working. I think this works. This doesn't work. This is a good combination. That's not a good combination." But I want, I want the other players to step up to the point where the conversation is a headache. And how do we leave this person out? Well, you know what, Cam? Yeah. Like they've already said with Naji, you know, or Naji. Sorry, um, you know for these certain plays you're going to come off, these certain plays you're going to be in, right? Like I think as well, when you've got a guy like Miles Jack, and I've wondered this for a while, when you think about Highsmith, the size of TJ, and even bringing a guy like Marvin Leal, you know, I thought we'd see this more last season, but are we going to have a few 4-3, you know, 4-3 um, formations instead of three fours? And And I think that's an interesting concept as well, because I think with that, you know, what, what do we do with Haywood in that regard? Um so, particularly when you've got a guy like Wormley on the roster too. So, uh, I'm keen to see how they refresh this. But what I don't want to see is everything the same. I don't, obviously, we don't want to see what happened last year in the run defense um, from that perspective. But, you know, I, I I want to see people step up so that Haywood doesn't have to play as much. So, I guess I flip the question to you. Do you think he should have, you know, de- decisions over who's in that line and who's not?
2: Yeah, I, I think he will. I, I think it comes down to combinations as, as well. I think also with Cameron Haywood and guys like that, they get the feel for the game. So he might be like telling the coaches, well, this guy's playing really well, coach. Make sure you put him here in, in this position. Like maybe it comes down to a point where during a game, that defensive line or whoever's stepping up, if it is Loudermilk, then he goes and normally wouldn't play that position. But maybe Loudermilk has beaten this guy one-on-one every time. You know, maybe maybe he's beaten the offensive line every time or he's seen things in this game and, and we saw it in the James Harrison uh, Debo game versus Ravens where he was, he was just on one. You know, he got like uh, three fumble, uh, yeah, three fumble, three sacks, uh, uh, interception, you know. Maybe it's something like that where you, where you could just play a Miles Jack up front if he is playing outstanding and he's reading everything and he's in the zone. So maybe you don't stick to the script of like you have to be these three players at the front. I, I think maybe that's something I can maybe focus on this year because I are not su- super fast. By the time you watch the play, you're like, oh, was that? Ladomek was in there? I know. I know. He was in there? And you're like, oh, he made the tackle. And you're like, it's super fast. But the coaches knows, know what's happening. But I think uh, Cameron Hayward has this, this big leadership right now. Like, he's probably the, the leader of the locker room right now. So he might find that, well, I like playing with next to Alulu here. I-, I like playing with Leal in this yeah, package. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think that's going to hold up, and through our defense, will make everything else work. Because I, I don't think TJ Watt comes off the field that much. I don't think Highsmith Heis, comes off the field that much. But the defensive line, it may interchange where they're just changing all kinds of positions. Uh, yes, they'll start in a certain way, and they have their title, defensive tackle, defensive end. But they will swap and change all the time. And also, think, you just... Here you go.
1: No, no I was just going to say, like, the only thing is I don't want... I, like I like that comfortability and I agree there's going to be some things where he's like right LOL is in but like I don't want I do feel like I loved our offensive line like guys are doing a waiver like I love that right but I do feel like Ben often did that I'm comfortable with these guys and that's it right and I get that's important with you know particularly with Pouncy, and uh, I completely understood that but there were times when we probably could have refreshed some of those things and it would have helped us out right like you know, Ben like last year had a really good connection with Ray Ray McLeod. Was Ray Ray McLeod ever gonna light it up in like from a, a receiving point? No. Yes, he'd catch a pass, maybe get a first down if he's put in the right position, you know, the, the lanes open up. But he's never gonna like he's not gonna be a ten touchdown a season re- receiver. So the amount of balls he or even a five touchdown receipt a season as a receiver. Therefore, it's a little bit so what like with Switzer. Switzer's retired. I think he retired this week, so it's worth bringing up. So I that's think the key one. A that, was, that, was side.
2: Yeah, that was Ben's guy, right? And I was like, well, you can see this going to be so different now. I know it's on the offense side, but like, Big Ben's not there anymore. Uh, it's it's a new era, and maybe these coaches can really go because he had a lot of say. He really did have a lot of say in this team. He had Switzer. He had Switzer. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to. The other thing I was going to say, you hit on the head
1: with Cameron Howard's leadership, though. There might be. A role for Cameron there's a role for Cameron Hayward when he's not on the field. True. Do you know what i do you know what I mean? Right. So if there are guys that have come off for a particular like let's say you're putting on more of a pass rush focus um defense or you're put or it's like third and long, so you're playing in the nickel, he's got a role about pumping that defense up if that play doesn't go down. So just because Cameron Hayward's not on the field and, and he has a lower percent of snaps doesn't mean he can't be effective. You know, like, and this is the, what I wanted to talk about. I want to hear from you on like a a few other players, but there's one player that I want to bring up about having a big training camp because a lot of us know that he's going to be a really solid player, but I think we're going to, he needs to have a big training camp from a leadership perspective. This other player I'll bring up later in the show because I want to see his influence across other players. It's not just, I know his performance would be good. I want to see his leadership for other players. Um, but yeah, is there another is there another player that you wanted to, that you think needs to have a big training camp?
2: Well, 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 because because I, because I, the defense is so good, though, right? Maybe we could talk about maybe maybe Terrell Edmonds. I don't know. Maybe we could bring him up because.
0: You well, know. I'm
2: trying. I, I'm trying to figure out who this player. Can we? I can't handle it. Tell me who the player is. And then we'll get back to me.
1: Who is? Okay, it? so it's Minka. It's Minka, right? right? Minka. Right. It's not just because it's not the big deal. But you look across the secondary in this defense, you don't have you know, Hayden anymore, right? Yes, you've got Sutton that's been there for a while. Yes, you've brought back, you know, Edmonds. Mm-hmm. But w- spoons back, but he's still early on. And like in my in my mind, he's still fairly early in or, you know, getting a grip, still getting a grip on what this defense does. And he needs to have a massive year. So he's someone that probably springs to mind for a lot of people of having a big training camp. Uh, but you also bring in Levi Wallace, who's experienced. But Minka is a leader in this secondary unit. And so for me, like, Everyone has talked about like Norwood talked about how much of a leadership role Minka Fitzpatrick played last year. I want to see that across the secondary this year. Like he's that talisman in the defense, you know, I'm not saying that he's Troy Polamalu, but he's, he holds that weight in this locker, like not necessarily in the whole defensive locker room, but if you look at in the secondary rooms, that's sort of the, that's the role we need him to step up into being. We need him to be, you know, a deeper, you know, um, different version, but you have that impact that Polamalu had. And we saw in 2019 in the right defense with a defense that's the defensive lines going hammer and Tom, you know, and stopping the run. He can do those things. I mean, how many times have you and I sat off the, um, one thing that Mark and I occasionally do is we, we watch some NFL videos of like good players from the Steelers or good draft prospects. And I always commentate that interception that he had, you know, against the Colts. I love that play, like that interception in the the end zone, right? but we've got to allow Minka to do those things. But I think Minka has to take the bull by the horns a little bit with the secondary and get the other guys up to speed. If he wants to be able to do those things, like I'm so excited to see Norwood in a second year. Right. And he's someone I wouldn't even think about as we are doing the, preparing the show, but Norwood's another guy I want to see have an awesome training camp. Right. Because that's going to be a, a big thing. Chris Steele from um, USC, the undrafted corner, like cornerback, but I do really think on on you know we need to see Minka, and again this is something we're not going to see till probably the preseason and and the actual season with game with actual gameplay. But and I don't want to see too much Minka on the sideline having to talk everyone through things. But I would like to come out of training camp feeling like the secondary are bonding around Minka Fitzpatrick.
2: Yeah, I, I can see that. I can see Minka, you know, and and that's why, like, I fell in love with Troy Polam, because the safety position to me is one of the, one of the most intriguing ones, right? Because you're the last line of defense, uh, and you can see the whole field. So if Minka can set that's people correct. up, set, set the corners up, get get you know uh, Sutton, and well, he's already a veteran, he's already a veteran guy too. Now he's coming into his own. He's he's making them talk and, and communicate. But get Witherspoon and Levi Wallace. Like if they're fired up to play for Minka and that leadership. And they're going out there and they're playing five star quality football. Mink can then not, you know, sit back and still be five star. And he can scan the whole field. He can scan the whole field, the QBs. He can, he can, uh, you know, he ran down into that, into the, the, the eight man box like what, a hundred times or whatever to get tackles or <laughs> like, you know, so many times. The defense can start churning. And I think Mink can play that yeah, that role. Like, I am a leader on this team. I've got my mate up front, Cameron Haywood. I've got the, the the game record, TJ Watt. If I get my corners in, in, in talking together, this, this defense could be one of the best we've ever seen in a very long time because all the players are so skillful. We just need them to talk together. And and I think, yeah, uh, piece by piece, we've already named it. Devin Bush needs to go out there and prove probably to himself he wants to do something. Ogon Joby needs to prove that he can be that 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 guy starting. And Cameron Hayward needs to be the leader as well. And now Minka needs to be a leader too. So I'm excited to see that as well because it's another year, another offseason, I think, and another, another year at your job. And... If you're coming in like a rookie, right, or, or uh, second year for, for Trey Norwood, you're looking at Minka going, wow, this dude's awesome. I want to try and be like that. And then when you can go in at Excel and Minka, if, if something stuffs up, then, then Minka can either cover it up or he can play even better. If he doesn't have to go down the box all the time or be around – uh, saving plays, but making plays—I think that's a big difference, and we're going to see it. I reckon too. He's the highest-paid safety. There's a reason why we banked him.
1: Well, we had to. We had to because you know he was the 18th um, leading player in terms of total combined tackles in the league, the top safety, and he was the 12th player in the league for solo tackles and the then the top safety there. <laughs> you know, if you want to expect that from safety, you got to pay the guy. And those—I'd love to see those numbers a little bit lower or remain the same and the other numbers, you know, like force fumbles and you know interceptions, you know, um, or fumble recoveries get a lot higher. Like I the defense needs to the, the defensive line and the linebackers need to allow Minka to do what he's best
2: at and be a game changer and a playmaker. But it, they gotta do their job first. So yeah, no no I agree. I, I'm I'm excited just to see him for in another year. Well how old is he twenty six or something? We have a really young defense now. You know the secondary isn't too much of a problem. Like we, we, you've discussed before, the corners maybe, um, but overall I think we're 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 set. Like I just don't want to see them. Oh man, if they lose forty nil to Bengals, when woo wee, <laughs> we are in trouble. But I can't see that. I can't see it. I think they're going to be fired up, man. I really well. Do. Yeah, I mean the only thing is like
1: if like oh, to me. The Bengals hum when they've got everyone there. And I think losing CJ Uzmoa is a massive, massive loss for them. What he did at the tight end position last year was huge for them. But T Higgins, you know, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, like that, that's a, you know, with Joe Mixon there as well. That's not an easy offense to sort of store But you've got a year. The thing is, you've got a year to prepare for that game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, this is like, like Buffalo yeah. last year, right? You've got a year to prepare for that game.
2: You know. Well, here's a question for you. You know, we we went into Buffalo, we won that game, and then what, next week we lost against the Raiders? Yeah. So can you, can you TJ over, Watt remember, over-prepare?
1: Like, remember that? Week? He was like psyching up, and then it just went, hey, why?
2: Yeah, but I don't know, man. I, I think overall this defense and the guys who need to prove it, like, yes, if Minka can step into that, that more veteran leadership role again, we can, have, we can have so many leaders on the defense. You'd be looking around going, TJ Watt, Cam, this guy, you know, and I, I think the fact overall... that we can talk
1: about like three or four players that are in like literally the top one or two at their position on a defense of eleven guys.
2: And and people still count out the Steelers, man. They still don't they still think they're gonna be fourth in the AFC North, but maybe that's more because of the offense, but mate, I, think... I saw
1: Steelers at like sixty seven dollars per dollar like, for the Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah. We're well, like still like eight dollars or something to win the AFC
2: North. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like yeah, we are counted out big time. Uh, there is just maybe because of the new quarterback, but I think actually having the new quarterback means we have more flexibility in this offense than we have ever had before. Well, we can also, I truly really do.
1: I'm sorry, we can also throw the ball more. Than could
2: you imagine, imagine? I know it's not this is not offense, but could you imagine if we go out and win the AFC North and it's like, well, Ben, you might have been the problem, <laughs> you know, just maybe, mate, we go and win some playoff games. And then there's no Yeah, but to think about who's him.
1: think about who's saying like, look, don't be wrong. I'm not trying to slight a Hall of Fame quarterback that had all these game winning drives and like all the rest of it. Like, I'm not saying that, but in this league now and the way it's set up, and I've been unapologetic about this for the last couple of years, you've got to be able to throw the football. You've got to be able to score points, right? And you know, now Ben didn't have the running game that needed to be there to help him to you know be a game manager like a Peyton Manning, um, you know, when they won the Super Bowl with, at the Broncos, but. Like, there is something to be said for these new quarterbacks. But, yeah, I mean, it's – yeah, just – But you got to let Ben – walk. you had to let Ben walk out when he wanted to walk out. Oh, no, no, I agree. I didn't
2: didn't think it would be interesting because, like – And Ben, to be fair, did the right thing by the franchise
1: in trying to come back from that elbow injury too. You know, like, he could have easily said, I'm done now, but he didn't. And, yeah, I know he got paid the best part of $50 million to do so. But, I mean – if you did it at that time with the salary cap challenges we had, you know, we would have been, we would have had a losing season. We would have really had a losing yeah, no, season. no. how much that, also, would that have
2: hurt? Right? Like there's an article, I think on, on BTSC, I don't know who, who wrote the article, but it's talking about how big Ben and, you know, the office was, did, did they want him? Did he want to come back? You know, did Tom want him? That kind of stuff. Cause big Ben had a conversation with one of the media heads out there, but it's just interesting, I think, and in, in this year, like we have, I think we've gotten better over the offseason. One of the best off-seasons I've ever seen in, Mate, in my life. We have retooled
1: like nothing else. Yeah. Right. If we you know what? If we, if we, let's say we go and we make a we make the AFC Championship game. And let's say, even if we lose the AFC Championship game, we could look back on this offseason and be like, look at that move, look at that move, look at that move. And you, you could just go through them. Like these are the moves that some teams make. Now, admittedly, we had a lot of gaps. But in good teams, they make the amount of moves that we made and they bring in the amount of talent we did. And they do make Super Bowls. Like, if you look at the Bengals last Mm. year, they brought in a lot less talent in one offseason, you know, admittedly. And look where that got them in the end. Like, their offensive line was awful. (laughs) Like, they lost that game in the end because of their offensive line, right? Now, they've gotten a lot better at the offensive line, I think, over the offseason. But we've addressed a number of issues across this team and we've gotten younger at a bunch of positions. Like if you go through the, the sheet, there's something like you know 80% of the roster is below 26 or 27. <laughs>
2: I mean Yeah, it's 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 definitely worked out for us too. And you know, like I said, Cameron Hay would teach you what if, if Miles Jack can be that all-star guy, then you've got Minker in the backfield, that's four all-star guys there. And not two other and the other guys on the field aren't too bad either. So it will be interesting to see how what the mentality change with the Steelers and what, what direction they go. But if they can, if they can hold, if they can get some first downs from Najee and, and have a, a competent, uh, you know, quarterback with Jubisky, hopefully going out there, or well, Kenny Pickett may start, but we don't know when, but this whole team, I think is going to have just a different attitude about them because we have been losing a lot. Look, I know everyone says we've lost four, four playoff games in a row. We haven't won a playoff game in a long, a long, long time. So this to me is not like a rebuilding year. It's like, well, like you said, you're retooling. We just going, got the pieces you needed to get, and it's 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 time now to play. It really is. These these fellas, what twenty six, twenty seven? You've got a different mentality when you're twenty six, 27, I think like you, you want to go out there, and this is the, this is the time right now to go out there and win. Like it's 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 pretty much for me. It's all or nothing. Like just go out there and just win, uh, play football, and you should have a good chance every single game. I think.
1: Hundred well, percent. I also think this is. Yeah, you, know, you and I went through the roster, and everyone's like saying this is a loss and that's a win, and this is a loss and that's a win. I also kind of think this is one of those seasons where, like, we'll put it this say if they went eight and zero to start the season or seven and zero, I'm not going to sit here shocked. I'm just not because I think if it all clicks, I've
2: got them. I've got them four and zero. I'm telling you, I think they can go and shock the Bengals. I think they can win at home against the Patriots. I think, but I'm also shoot, I could see bounce. them one and three and bouncing back. Like, like
1: do you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's going to come down to because this is the other thing we talk about bringing all this new talent. How does it click? You know, and I, you know, what's funny about this podcast too? Last week we did offense, and we started talking about defensive guys, and then this <laughs> week we're going to focus on defense. We talked quite a bit on offense the last ten minutes or so, and you know, Sean Manahan in the live chat earlier on the show talked about complementary football. You know, in, now he's just sort of said in the live chat it all starts up from from both sides of the ball. It is, it's about cohesiveness, and I said this mm. on podcasts we did last season. Um, I remember last season I did a, I think a show with Dave or Rich and I said about the, that complementary football. And that is one thing that I don't think we played very well last year. And I don't think we played it very well the second half of 2020, which is why they started falling off that, you know, game winning, you know, the, the 12 games, the 11 games in a row that they won. You could start to see that that sort of downslide from complementary football. If we play complementary football, we have enough, we have enough on offense, and we've certainly got enough on defense to to be a double digit win team. It's not an issue.
2: Oh, I, I agree hundred percent. And every team right now, we're all getting hyped up and pumped up. So, like our thoughts right now uh, are legitimate because we are so optimistic about the team. And everyone's zero zero, right? And preseason Correct. is going to show us a lot. Uh, we'll go we'll, as preseason goes along. We'll probably you know uh, dive. Well, baby, into we're place. six,
1: we're six, mate. We're six. We're six Super Bowls. It's not zero and zero for
2: us. But it could very well be that we have 7. Like, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that this team can Oh mate, it. I would
1: love since I started the War Room show, which was in Cap Room, I talked about um, when the, you know the tagline is always how they build the roster to win a seventh Lombardi. I would love to change that to how to win a roster with an eighth Lombardi. <laughs>
2: Why not? But like, even, even Genes is here, right? Like, love your op- optimism that 11 8 may be a little bit better. But what I'm saying is, right now, every single team in the NFL, besides, well, I can't say the Bengals now, but every single team in the NFL is zero and zero starting. And this is the chance that everyone's getting so pumped up. And the first four weeks or, two, or five weeks will tell you what's going to happen. But even preseason, if like a Buddy Johnson or uh, Highsmith goes like crazy out there, like, wow, Highsmith's got another, another step. Then we get even more like we even know what's going to happen. Then like I think, or even if like my mate, I'm not a big fan of Claypool. If he goes out there and starts to get, get some good catches, stay on his feet, and he looks better running, uh, route running or DJs, but he's even better than he used to be. Or Trubisky, it doesn't throw interceptions and has a good has a good, you know, the offense looks like a, like a, like a uh, you know. Well, what if Najee hits
1: a hole and actually runs fifty
2: yards? Yeah, this is just mate, to me. how good
1: would that be? You and I've been talking about a running back breaking it for fifty plus
2: for two and a half years. He got one at the end of the game versus the Browns. That's the last one I think I've ever seen him or him or or it was him or Trey Evans do it. But this is the time now that going into the preseason, if we are confident, I think they can go into the the Bengals and win because there's a big head head hunt on uh, the Bengals right now. And the Steelers has been pushed down like something shocking. So it really, I I think they can have a chance because the players they have, they're so skillful. It's like you said. Cohesiveness. They need to get together, communicate, and become a, a team. And we haven't been that. We've talked about that for the last four or five years. So many distractions have been happening in the locker rooms uh, with us and, and stuff like that. We haven't been that team. And, and I think even Cameron Haywood, he knew that the last few years. And he's he's, he's changed. He's, he's, he's more vocal now. He's more involved in the, in the social media for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think, and even even Tom 1, two looks a bit more relaxed. And I, think, I like that when I see the team having fun yeah, and they're, they're relaxed. You know, and you
1: know what? Yes. This, is that comfortable, this is that comfortable being uncomfortable thing, right?
2: Yes. You know, when, they, when they're comfortable like that, it's not because they don't want to play. It's because they know their ability and I think they can go out there and like, like I do it when I play sport. I know if I'm one of the best players or whatever, if I'm comfortable, I'm having fun and I'll go out there and win. So, and you see, and and he, he, winning Hayward. Is that,
1: winning is, in, win, the thing about winning is it's infectious. 100%. Right, it's it's a positive thing. It's a compounding thing as well. Like when you're winning, you're feeling good. You're playing good. You're seeing things better. There's less stress. You're you're less like tight mentally. You know, from that perspective. But um, yeah, I'm I'm excited. But before we close out the show, is there anything else you wanted to quickly cover off?
2: No, I just want to say like hope. Hopefully, everyone's really excited and pumped up. It's been a long off season. Long off season, but we've had Mate, fun.
1: It's been bloody
2: long. We've had fun, like, talking about the draft from free agent signings to uh, the changing of the, the guard at Akershaw Stadium. Like, everything has changed. The the the, the GM. It's all pretty is, it's it's
1: really crazy the change <laughs> that's going on, yeah. You
2: know, but I think it's great. I think, I think you know, we're having so much fun here at BTSC and, and all the podcasts you guys listen to, and we're trying to get you guys amped up for a good season because I think it re- will be a good season. I think Cameron Haywood is happy. And and he knows. I think he knows personally that he's that that last year was abysmal. What they did on the on the run game, and I think it's going to change. I really do. So I'm keen to see training camp, uh, and just get just get back out there and just they're going back to Latrobe. They're going to see fans. You know, they're going to get pumped up.
1: That's it. So with that, we're going to wrap up this week's Steelers touch down under. I'm Matty Peveril with Marky D. Marky Davison, as always.